Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine land. And I'm Todd DeVoe, the host of the Todd DeVoe Show. And hey, everybody, good, not only just good morning, but exciting National Preparedness Month starts today, September 1st. And so what are you doing for National Preparedness Month? That's my question of my challenge to you. Um, you know, we're doing the uh, our own version of the 30 Days and 30 Ways. I know that the official one is not on, but that's kind of what we're doing. And if you follow us on on the uh, TikTok, you'll see my morning walks with 30 Days and uh, 30 Ways. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And today, right now, I have uh, Mark Baker coming in. And we're uh, going to be talking about a book that he has uh, done a review on. A little controversial, I guess, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and you know what? Today, we are kicking off our new sponsor, uh, Disaster uh, D-Land. It's uh, computer, Buffalo Computer Graphics with the uh, Disaster Land. It's an emergency management solution that has helped teams across the United States and Canada prepare for, respond to, and re- and report on emergencies. And I, I, I got to know the guys over at D-Land uh, very well over the last few years over at Buffalo Computer Graphics. Um, and it's been exciting uh, to go through this process and having them come aboard um, as a sponsor. So welcome, Buffalo Computer Graphics, to the family. So we'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll get our guest here, here in a minute. And so, so and the reason why I talked about the idea of the book being controversial is Look, I got to tell you something. We're going to be looking at at books. We're going to be looking at at, at anything that's doing with leadership and emergency management. Um, and you know, we're not looking at things on the pol- on the political side of things. We're not ever trying to get that side of it, right? And so, I just want everybody to realize this is kind of the, the, where we're coming from. It's from just from pure ways that people are discussing things um, across the spectrum. And we have to take everybody's um, views and considerations into play. So. That being said, let's bring in Mark Baker with Baker's Dozen. Mark, I see that you are in an undisclosed location right now. I'm glad you're safe. Yes, yes. Barely hanging on down here in the pits <laughs> of unknown. So you chose the book Risk um, by Stanley McChrystal. Why would you choose that book? Yeah, uh, chose a book because of the interesting topic. Um, regardless of the deliverer, I think the, the topic and the tools within the book are applicable to emergency managers across the board. And I felt this would be a good, uh, a good book to learn from. So what'd you learn? So, you know, the book's titled risk. So definitely talked about risk throughout it, but there's the new perspective with risk, at least as far as, uh, I perceived it going, uh, through my career thus far. You know, I talked about, I always saw risk as like this relationship, you know, kind of, it's always there. You're not going to get rid of it. You can't hide from it. You can't deny it. And pretending it doesn't exist is dooming you for a failure. So you have to accept it. You have to, and you have to learn to mitigate what you can and then operate within the, uh, the residual risk that you can't uh, alleviate or reduce the, uh, I don't know. I felt that good topic, definitely good topic, useful tools. 
Uh, but the, the concept that introduced in this book was in regard to your relationship with the risk was a risk immune system and how it's comparable to the body's own immune system. Hmm. Very, very similar traits. That was interesting to me because until then I was thinking of risk of more like a relationship kind of with my wife. You know, I have to, I know she's going to be there. I have to make sure a good, healthy relationship has what communication uh, you're going to, you're going to learn and evolve and grow together. And if it's unhealthy, uh, lacking communication and, uh, or trust and, and all those vital ingredients, then it's going to, it's going to implode and, and plummet and you're not going to have it anymore. Um, and, and in the case of risk, that could mean, you know, mission failure and, and, and catastrophe. So with the, the new concept with that introduced in this book with the risk immune system, it, it, was, it, was, it was interesting because it, it makes sense, right? Because risk is like, take COVID-19, a virus trying to attack your body and your body has a defense system, the immune system. And it's only going to be as strong as you make it through healthy lifestyle, exercise, good sleep and all that. Uh, so just like that, within the uh, healthy risk immune system, doctor, or, uh, they talk about the 10 dimensions of control equivalent to um, the sleep and, and nutrition that your body needs. They talk about how communication is, is, is body. You have to give communication with the organization to be able to withstand the, the, the effects of risk. You have to have good narrative. People have to understand why they're doing what they do. They have to have buy-in to what you're doing. You have to have a clear structure, you know, who's in charge and who's to the left and right. You have to have to understand technology and, and leverage it to, um, to your benefit as much as possible. I mean, you can't just, that's one of those things. You can't be resistant to it because it's there and it's not going away. It's only going to get more. So you have to learn it and you have to adapt it and employ it. Um, it talks about diversity. I thought diversity was was pretty neat because it's, it mentions not only, you know, gender and um, racial diversity within an organization, but, but actually cognitive diversity, uh, diversity of experiences and, and knowledge and not being afraid to bring those people who, who conflict sometimes and, and, and harness that energy into a productive result. Uh, biases, we have to control and understand our biases going into it. Uh, action, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take action when action is needed. And then, uh, of course, it's gotta be well-timed as well. And then your organization has to also be adaptable, being able to pivot left or right as needed and to adjust to the changing environment uh, did you lose me or was i there the whole time oh you're there the entire time okay and then, and then ultimately it's all uh focus and the center the core of this of these control measures or the risk immune system lies leadership and just like any good organization right if the leadership part is not there and it's not strong then the whole thing's gonna fall apart because Although all these control factors have to be strengthened and they're they're good in themselves, they're not going to be effective unless they're working together to to address uh, the risk in, in this case. Or uh, just like in an organization, the organization is not going to be effective if you have a bunch of think about a sports team, right? If you have a whole bunch of talent out there that and they're they're highly skilled and highly trained and, and the best athletes there are, but there's no leadership to to organize that in the same direction 
it's just going to fall apart and they're not going to be winning, right? So the same thing, leadership is the nucleus in this risk immune system concept as well. That is a great segue there, Mark, because uh, I have our, our guest in, Ray Chung, <clears throat> who is here to talk today about leadership and, and what he's been doing uh, specifically in the emergency management field, but not just there, but also um, across the sectors in doing leadership training and, and what it means. So, Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Yeah. Glad to see everybody this morning. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that the uh, the L.A. Orange County traffic uh, uh, was pretty brutal to you, and then I'm glad that you're able to to make it through and you're here. So, so Ray, you know, as Mark was talking about the book Risk uh, by Stanley McChrystal and saying, like, you know, he built it around this idea of an immune system um, and that that's also including leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do, how do you see, you know, like the broad picture of of that, the, the systems thinking, I guess, and like that's where I've been. I mean, I've been in that systems thinking mode for the last uh, a few weeks and, and design thinking. If you read the last article I posted up on uh, on Substack regarding yeah. uh, systems thinking, how does leadership fit into that? Yeah, I, absolutely right. I mean, leadership, I mean, both systems thinking and leadership are heavily intertwined. And I think a lot of folks kind of, especially in emergency management, they, they get away from that systems approach to things that have gone wrong, you know, we're looking when we look at like after actions, a lot of you know, fingers are pointed at, oh, this person did this wrong or this procedure is not wrong. But really it's about the systems that are in place that allow those errors, those mistakes to uh, take place. And a lot of that do has to do with leadership as well. You know, leaders have to also have that systems approach to, you know, uh, to making improvements, to improving our culture. Um, especially if you're, you're looking at emergency management, we want to institute a culture preparedness. Oh, happy National Preparedness Month, by the way. <laughs> um, so, you know, you need extremely strong leadership to be able to institute that type of culture. You know, it just doesn't happen on its own. So, you know, having that leadership and, you know, instituting that direction every single day is the only way you're going to get there. So Mark and Ray and myself and, and even uh, producer Brian in the back, we're, we're all uh, veterans, you know, serving uh, various different branches, you know, uh, go Navy. Uh, and uh, go Marine Corps. Hoorah. <laughs> Hoorah. So <laughs> he's just shaking his head over there. And you it's guys mess that up all the time. It's, it's the Navy Marine Corps team, my friend. So, you know, one <laughs> fight, one, one mission, one fight. Um, so, so anyway, you, you know, we saw leadership coming up all the way from boot camp, you know, um, you know, or basic training, whatever you call it. Um, all the, the reason I say whatever you call it depends on what branch you're in. You call it something different. Um, so your basic introduction into the into the military organization that you choose, um, all the way to the the admirals and the generals. Um, is that really what you're thinking about when you're looking at systems? Is is the military a good example of that of what system leadership is, or can that be applied to um, any organization? I think the military is a perfect example. You know, when especially in, in the United States, I mean, our, our military is so strong in leadership. And that's because, you know, we don't have this belief that, um, you know, you're born a leader, that that leadership is cultivated. It's trained on from the very beginning when, once you go to boot camp, you know, squad leaders, fire team leaders are picked. And there's even like literally military education that, uh, you know, military members have to go through. Right. Uh, every step of the way to to learn leadership, whether it's even you know books on leadership, uh, schools on leadership, um, all along the way. So it, it's you know, it's it's paramount. And so 
and and speaking from the, the Navy Marine Corps team, um, you know, we're teaching leadership all the way to the E1, right? You know, of, at that point. And I know that other branches don't necessarily do that. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to talk bad about them necessarily. But the yeah, concept is you're a leader all the way from your first day that you enter into, into boot camp, you know, uh, in some form, right? Well, even if you're learning it, right? And so one of the things I learned early in my life was to be a good leader, you have to know how to be a good follower. And I think that's that's critical to that. Um, where are we, do, we don't really see that necessarily though uh, when you're taking a look at like organizations or maybe even local government, like the guy, you know, who's, um, you know, working at Parks and Recreation, uh, you know, is he necessarily a city leader? I mean, everyone has capacity to be a leader, right? Um, I think where the military, military does that well is that it talks about leadership all the time. You know, so you're, you, and you have a lot of uh, models to emulate. Uh, in the civilian world, you know, people don't talk about being a leader. They, they might talk about being a manager, you know, a lot about managing projects and managing people. But, you know, the, the word leadership, the word lead uh, is not very common. It's not, not so much in the vocabulary either. Right. Mark, you know, the, the idea here is like we, we lead we lead people and we, we manage things, right? And I, you know, you're sitting in a, a room full of things, right? That's going to want to send it to you. Uh, do you believe in that concept too? You, you know, you, you manage people, you manage things and you lead people. Is that something that, in the vocabulary that you use? Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to people, leadership is the only way to go when it comes to tools and, and, and resources and, and, and systems and programs. And yeah, and, and that's a management type style. I will say, uh, going back to the military and the military culture, I think what's key to the leadership aspect of the military is that leadership is the culture in the military, and, and it's not necessarily in the in the civilian sector as we're exploring. And they talk about managers more. And if we can sprinkle some of that magic dust onto the community <laughs> leaders and governments or, or uh, the the local level, I think that would be incredible for them. Well, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting with, with Ray and his group, um, that you guys work with policymakers uh, in that aspect of it. Um, are, are policymakers today seeing, uh, I'll say seen more or broader, but are, are looking at leadership as, as a systems today, or are they still kind of on their own? Like, what's what's your experience been with that? Um my favorite answer is always, it depends, right? <laughs> so I, you definitely have both, you know, some, some folks who, you know, they're, they're looking at a, a systems and how to improve the systems and some are just all about the, the cult of personality almost, right? So it just kind of depends on, on uh, the person, depends on what their goals are. Um, I, you can, I think you mentioned uh, on another episode, you talked about the, the show, um, The Bear. Yeah, The right? Bear. Which is I, I love that show on, on Netflix. I think about the uh, Hulu. The sh- Hulu. Oh, sorry, Hulu. Yeah, don't give people bad information. I know. Sorry, um, there's just <laughs> so many out there. Um, but such a great example of both good and bad leadership, right? But and I really love just kind of the the idea of the professional kitchen as that microcosm of you know an organization and how well or how poorly it can be run depending on the leader um, and the whole culture as well and also systems, right? very structured system yeah. in, in the professional kitchen that generally you don't have in very, very many other places besides like the military. Absolutely. And, and I, I can tell you something, we're going to talk about the bear a little bit, Mark. It's, it's a, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a, uh, 
like as Ray was saying, it's a Hulu show. Uh, it's a guy who gets this, this inherits a dysfunctional restaurant. It's a family restaurant that was he was part of, um, and it just is a mess. And it really shows the development of his leadership and and his trust in his crew, but also building a team um, and all the way down for the point to where the guy has the greenie weenie and, and the owner of this restaurant, the chef, um, the little Brillo pads, whatever you call, I don't know what you call those things. I just call them the greenie weenies, right? Those little square green <laughs> like scrub, scrub yeah. things um, on his, <laughs> on his knees, you know, scrubbing every part of, of his kitchen. Right. And it's really showing that leadership. I thought that was a, it's a great example. Thanks for bringing, bringing that one up. Um, if you have not seen it, uh, I, I wish I, I need to get Hulu to pay me now. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out on, on, on Hulu. Um, but it really does. I think that's the thing about leadership that where people forget. Right. And, and I think I've been brought up through the concept of servant leadership without even knowing it was right. Is that you are there to serve the people that are underneath you. And that your goal is to make sure that your team is taken care of, right? And let that they have jobs to do. Sometimes you have to be hard on them. Sometimes you're going to yell at them, right? In the military, at least. And and then and it, but at the same time, you need to be protecting them and making sure that they're taken care of. And I think that's where real leadership comes into play. And leadership isn't, in my mind, and we can delve in and let you take it next after this, Ray. I don't think leadership is being the boss or being bossy or being the person who just like you know throws out a bunch of bs to somebody so this needs to get done and then goes back to his room and drinks coffee and uh watches hulu right is that well yeah uh, there are certainly examples of people like that who you know I, I would argue it's an example of poor leadership i mean even in the corporate world um not to name names but there's a lot of folks who do function like that um and i think a uh it, it's a it's wrong-headed to think that even though some of those folks can be successful it's not because of that attitude or that leadership style you know it might be in spite of um but i absolutely agree with you like you know servant leadership really empowering the team and making sure they have the tools uh, they need to be successful i mean I, that absolutely should be what leadership is about how do you teach leadership right um you know, it's it's just like anything else. I think it's it's about practice. You know, um, you talked about knowing how to be a good follower at first, and that you know that's the first step in the military. You first thing you learn is how to follow an order, right? Just that's all you do is follow orders all day. Um, but eventually, you're, you're going to be put into a uh, a role where you have to be a leader. You know, um, could be very early, and it's about practicing those skills and just you know, learning from your mistakes, learning from failure, because you're going to fail no matter what. Right. I mean, especially if, if you want to be a good leader, you're going to fail all the time. Fail early, fail fast, right? Yeah, just don't fail like so badly <laughs> that you can't recover. Yeah. yeah. Small failures, hopefully. <laughs> so, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, your, your organization um, and you can talk about them in a second because we've had Jacob on. And, and <laughs> so, um, so your organization, you, what you guys do though, is you, you go to uh, municipalities and other places around and, and you teach leadership. Um, what has been like for your students, right? Not for you necessarily, but for your students, like what is their biggest aha moment when they, when they're standing in front of you and then they go, ah, and you see that light bulb click on and go, I got it. Like where do they normally catch that? 
Um, I would say, you know, we do like 360 assessments. So a lot of people, um, you know, we, we, we very, very extremely honest in, in what you're getting from the organization. And the difference from who, the, the folks who are able to uh, actually improve are the ones who are able to take that assessment and, and be honest with themselves. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to do when you're getting, you know, as a leader, you don't tend to get feedback from the bottom up. Right. And it, it's hard to take in, you know, and, and really look at and, and see, okay, where did I go wrong? How can I make this better? And not everyone's able to do that. I think good leaders can, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough. Right. Mark, when you were leading young soldiers, um, you know, as a, as a military police officer and bringing these new kids in, um, what was your strongest challenge with teaching them to be leaders? Getting them to accept that they, they could be leaders. So, you know, a lot of these kids came in young, they're not confident yet and they're not, they're not um, matured into their, their thought processes and getting them to understand that they, they are a leader, whether or not they wear stripes on their collar or chest later on, uh, that leadership is not positional. You know, leadership is also lateral. It's not, it's not up and down. So you, every day when you come to work, you know, dressed in the right uniform at the right time, ready to do the right thing, you're setting an example, you're by essence leading and, and getting them to understand that, you know, leadership starts when, you know, you get up in the morning and you make your bed. Well, that that's kind of leadership. You're leading yourself then. And that, and that attribute carries over getting them to understand that and develop that. It's a, it's a challenge. And then, but once they do accept it and start growing into it, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to see, you know, it's one of those proud moments, you know, kind of like having your, your kid grow up almost. I mean, that's such a great point. Like really anybody can be a leader, you know, yeah. and, you know, any, any given day, you know, you, you might get the chance to step up and be a leader and, and uh, show, show everyone who, show the world who you are. And I'm going to go back to chef again. It's yeah. such a great show, but you, you know, there's the, the, the head chef, um, uh, uh, Carmen, but there's also another, the sous chef, uh, Sydney. It's yeah. actually, if you brought uh, some spoilers here for people that don't watch it, but she also exhibits a ton of leadership in terms of growing that organization. It's a lot of that her as not the, as a newcomer and not, you know, the, the head chef really institutes a lot of changes that make the organization better. I, I almost think she's a better leader at the, in, in the beginning. I think she teaches Carmen leadership. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think he was used to being in that spot where he could just say, tell, tell people what to do and they're going to do it. And now he has a crew that's like, F you Carmen, I'm doing mm -hmm. this my own way. So, well, yeah, spoilers alert. Yeah, I, I, I think we could actually do a whole show just on that because this is amazing. I, I, maybe I'll just do a piece on that. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah, you probably should. There's so many, like really, there's a lot of lessons we learn in, in leadership from that show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, so I was thinking when, when Mark was talking about like the young soldiers and, and, you know, in our case, sailors, Marines, that, you know, when you see them exhibit leadership, what I mean by this is like, they might not have positional leadership, um, but yet yeah, they're making sure that their teammates aren't looking like a, I was about to say a swear word, aren't looking like a, a, uh, a hot soup sandwich or whatever <laughs> coming in. You know, they're making sure the Irish pants are cut off. They're, they're checking each other's back, making sure that the, you know, that their ribbons are on straight and their middles are looking good when they're going to dress uniforms and, and whatnot. And so when they come out in front of the, the uh, step NCO, 
uh, to be inspected that they, they, they're not going to get gigged and look good, right? Is that leadership? Oh, absolutely. It is. And I think it's part of that systems approach too, because, you know, especially in the military, very few times are failures it looked at as individual failures, failures, mm-hmm. they're team failures, right? So if your your uh, squad mate, you know, is, is looking on sad as uniforms, you know, a wreck, it's not just it's not his fault. It's right. the entire squad for not actually, you know, tracking that and making sure that he's he's good to go as well. Right. And it's true, like when we have a field day, if we fail field days, we fail it as a as a whole barracks, not just a one room, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So field day, by the way, everybody in the military is not a fun time, right? It's not like sports and stuff like this. It's... Yeah, working parties are not parties either. <laughs> what? They're not. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So you know, in, in that context, right? When we're when we're coming into this with with leadership and 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 really getting developing young leaders, we, we're talking a lot about our experience with the military. But how do we apply this to, you know, our organizations today, specifically? you know, those that are trying to develop new um, emergency managers and, and leaders in, in crisis management and response? Uh, well, mentorship programs like are, are key, right? That's something that a lot of, uh, you know, organizations, CISA, IEM are, are trying to institute or have been for the last few years, but, you know, still, still have a long way to go, I think. Um, it, it's having that person you can rely on to give you advice, right? You know, even, even when you're, uh, when you, if you want to get good at something, you have to practice, but it has to be structured practice. And has, that practice has to have feedback, you know, active feedback along the way. Otherwise, you can't learn anything. So uh, that, that mentorship piece is, is super key, as well as just having that culture, that expectation that, um, you know, leadership is an expectation that uh, for, for uh, folks to, to uh, move up. Um, you know, if you look at even the aviation industry, mm. right, in uh, CRM, crew resource management, the, the whole idea about that is, you know, the pilot's in command, but at any time, any of the crew from, you know, the co-pilot to uh, the flight uh, attendants, you know, they can give input about the situation. And that would, you know, that that's input is taken, you know, a long time ago before CRM, uh, pilot was in control for everything, made all the decisions, and virtually got no input. Um, and that led to a lot of, you know, accidents that killed a lot of people. So, you know, that that culture of having anybody uh, potentially be a leader, I think, is, is super key. Yeah, David Marquette, who wrote the book, um, Turn the Ship Around, um, was an, a Navy captain. Um, and in the Navy, especially on ships, if you've seen the movie Master and Commander, it's pretty darn close to being true, right? That guy, the skipper, is God when it comes to decision-making. And he really turned this concept from going, may I, right, sir, may I do this, to sir, I intend to, right? And it sounds like a subtle shift, right? It sounds like just a vernacular, but it's huge, right, in the military from going, you know, may I do x may I make this command may I make this decision to sir i intend to do this and unless you know and you that means you're coming in with a plan you're coming with a way to do it and you're coming with a way to execute it um um it's critical what do you think of that shift in that concept i mean yeah i mean to having having confidence is is important too because if, if you're if you want to exhibit leadership uh you know people have to actually trust you so if you're if you're showing 
uh, that confidence, they're more likely going to be able to say, hey, that, that guy knows what he's talking about, right? That guy or gal. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's an imperative. Mark, what do you think of that shift from the, the Sir May I to Sir I intend to? No, I think it's a decisive mindset. You know, instead of asking permission or how to, or you're coming in with that confidence about you made a decision and you're, and you're looking for approval or, or feedback to adjust that decision. And uh, I think that's, that's great. Uh, letting them get ownership into what they're doing is important. Absolutely. Hey guys, we're coming close to the end. I know Ray, you want to say one thing. We're coming close to the end. So we're just gonna let this be the last round or round through. And then, uh, then we got to get our closing done, but, uh, Ray, go ahead. Uh, I just want to mention like, you know, an example of my point, one of my favorite uh, stories in leadership, Rick, Rick uh, Scorla oh, yeah. from, uh, you know, back in 9-11, he was the, the, the uh, emergency manager basically for Morgan Stanley. And he constantly had the employees practice evacuating and stress the importance of that. And it turns out that, you know, that, that leadership um, of just instituting that culture and that practice over and over again, you know, say like 2,700 lives, I think, yeah. that day. So, you know, he wasn't, you know, the head of Morgan Stanley, you know, he wasn't the, the purported leader, but um, he had that much influence because, you know, he had that knowledge, he had that command, he had the, the ability to persuade uh, folks to do the right thing at the right moment. Yeah, and he knew how to lead up too, that's for sure. So, well, it is National Preparedness Month. And uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, and, you know, Ray um, obviously breaks up uh, 9-11 a little bit, and so we'll be coming up to the anniversary of that as well. So kind of keep that in the in the back of your mind as we go about doing our, our, our things as fall is coming upon us. Although not here not here in Orange County, California, it's going to be like freaking 100 degrees this weekend. So uh, everybody's out there. When I say stay safe, stay hydrated at the end of this thing, <laughs> I truly mean it here in, in Southern California, everybody. Uh, it's it's going to be a crazy day. Ray, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us. And I know we didn't get into a great introduction with you, uh, but Ray, just quickly introduce yourself and uh, at the end of the show <laughs> and um, how people can find you and what you're doing. Sure. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, I really appreciate the time together. I know we, we go way back, like I think almost 20 years, yeah. but, you know, I uh, started my career, pretty much started my career in emergency management here in California, working for counties and working for cities, currently working for uh, private consulting, uh, Jacob Green Associates, and that's how people can find me, uh, Raymond at Jacob Green and Associates. We do organization development, leadership development, emergency management consulting. Uh, and you can follow, find me on LinkedIn as well. But Absolutely. great to be here. Thank you, Ray. Thanks so much. And, and you can also find uh, Mark Baker's uh, writings and his uh, review of risk um, on the Emergency Management Network Substack. So go over there, subscribe to Emergency Management Network uh, Substack because there's some great writers and great information being shared over there as well. And everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Uh, I know you can be other places as well, uh, but I do appreciate your support. And everybody, remember, stay safe and stay hydrated. Sorry, I'm asleep now.